Welcome to the Accountant Quits Podcast, an idea born from an inquisitive attempt to find one's calling. I'm Umar, and I will be your host on this series where we look into the impact of blockchain in accounting. From topics around the accounting treatment of cryptocurrencies, the new framework of triple entry accounting, the challenges at hand for audit and tax, and many more, we will look into how the profession of accounting is evolving and how accountants should prepare themselves for the future of work. Today, for the first episode, I have the immense pleasure to have Monica Singer. To give you a short yet compelling glimpse of Monica's faith in blockchain as an emerging technology, after 20 years of being the CEO of Straight, the Central Securities Depository of South Africa, and putting the country on the map as a trusted digitized financial market ecosystem, she resigned. Why? Well, long story short, the executive board of Straight didn't share her vision into the magic of blockchain. With a background in accounting, Monica started her career in auditing and from an early stage was involved in developing accounting standards for the chartered accountancy profession. Today, Monica is the South African lead for Consensus, a market leader in building blockchain-based solutions, which was founded by none other than Joseph Lubin, one of the eight co-founders of Ethereum. Monica is an educator on a mission. She is also a professor on blockchain at the University of Johannesburg, a board member of the Accounting Blockchain Coalition, and a board member of the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, or SICA. Monica's career is a testament of someone who doesn't resist, but adapts to change, and recognizes that intellectual curiosity is where one starts to reinvent themselves. For these reasons, I really wanted to have Monica on the show and have her share her insights on how an accountant can prepare for a blockchain future. In this episode, we will cover wide-ranging topics around blockchain as a technology, its use cases in accounting, and how accountants can start to educate themselves. Monica, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you making the time to be here. Thank you. It's such a pleasure and honor to be the first one in your podcast. That's wonderful. Thank you. I thought we'd start with how the internet has uh, democratized access to information and allowed anyone in the world to have information at their fingertips instantly. But the internet has evolved to today where we have these large powerful tech companies like Facebook, Amazon or Google who capture our data and write algorithms to manage our lives, undermining our privacy in the process. Now, could you please explain why is blockchain a game changer for not having to rely on these intermediaries to have access to information? So blockchain is an evolution of the internet. In which way? When the internet was created, as you correctly pointed out, was created for sharing information. And then, at that time, in 1994, 1995, we could have never imagined that uh, the internet will evolve to allow, for example, for voice. You know, the fact that we have an app called WhatsApp and that you can press a button and phone anybody in the world for free, it's like an incredible innovation that I don't know if people can appreciate because I'm old enough to remember that making a phone call, international call to anywhere in the world was expensive. You had to make an appointment, you had to be subjected to terrible sounds that came through in the line. It was horrific, very expensive. And now we've got this app that you can use anytime for free. 
So we didn't think that the internet would be used for that. Then we didn't know that we were going to use the internet to share videos for free. Then in 2008, someone who we don't know who he or she or they are wrote a paper called the White Paper Creating Bitcoin and said, wait a second, guys, the mess that we have created in financial markets, you know, I'm talking about the financial crisis in 2008, the, the white paper created by Satoshi Nakamoto was saying, we have to stop this. And the only way we're going to stop it is by actually using the internet, but to transfer transactions of value in a way that nobody can cheat. It's actually the reason why I resigned from being the CEO of Straight. I read the paper and I knew the world was going to change completely. And, and I thought, that is such a brilliant idea. And I'll tell you why, Uma, because when I was building Stripe, the Central Securities Depository, I tried to do everything as best as I could, the best regulation, the best systems, the best everything. But the market would push back. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Central Securities Depositories do not really allow the listed companies to see in real time who's trading the shares. Correct. They don't also allow investors to have the real-time information of um, their holdings in the various accounts that they could be holding between different uh, brokers, different custodian banks. That's impossible. You need reconciliations. You need back-office staff. The, the corporate action distribution of dividends, it's all done by lots and lots of people working in back-offices, and you have to wait for this to happen, and there's delays, and there's always challenges and problems. And here comes Satoshi and says, wait a second, guys, you got it all wrong. What if we use the internet? Not swift messages, not silos, not intermediaries, you know, not central banks <laughs> or banks. And then we allow peer-to-peer -peer and everybody will be able to use the internet of value in a real-time basis, in an immutable ledger with incredible functionality so that this ledger has got the complete audit trail, which we know in Auditing 101, it will tell you if you have the complete audit trail, you're, you're good. Therefore, what Satoshi created was really, I, I truly believe it's a, it's a complete change in paradigm for the world. And we have the concept of the 4i principle, which is Correct. many people checking the same transaction. Here, you have the many, many, many i principles because you can create the shared version of the truth, the ledger, everybody can see the ledger at the same time. At the same time, imagine if you have a buyer and a seller doing a transaction, everybody keeps their own books and records. Everybody gets their own auditors. Imagine that you could create a ledger with the buyer, the seller, the regulators, anybody you want, have the same copy, shared version of the truth of that ledger. So that means that the financial statement slowly will be created in real time, not one year later, the auditor comes in and put all, I call it the poor auditor, because we know very well in auditing that if you have collusion, collusion and, and management that is trying to hide, you cannot find it. That's why we still have audit failures. And people say, where were the auditors? Yes, where was the management that was correct? You know, And that's why we have this concept of the expectation gap, that, which is the difference between what they public expects from auditors and what auditors can do or can't. And there's a massive gap. And then you read the auditor's report and half of the pages 
we're not responsible for this and we're not responsible for that. And so what are you responsible for? And why are you charging millions and millions of dollars for your audit fee? How can you justify it? And it's because it's not the fault of the auditor, truly. It's the fault of the system. So imagine that now Satoshi says, wait a second, all this is nonsense. What you've done will never be resolved by additional regulation. What it requires is transparency where you truly cannot commit fraud in the future. And, and the transactions are real time without any reconciliation. And you use the internet. And then the other thing that is fascinating, as you know, the, the internet evolved from, we call it web 1.0, is the internet of information that you mentioned. Then web 2.0 is the one that was created by this monopolist that started offering products to all of us. And we thought, oh my gosh, this is great. Free products, Facebook, Google, Amazon, we have free access to so many things. Little did we know that we were the product because every time we shared information, they used that information and they, they got a money out of that. That data belongs to us. And therefore, in many instances, we know that that data was used against us. So that's why Web 3.0, which we call it the decentralized web, which comes from the genesis of, of Satoshi's paper, it says it's peer-to-peer. I will be able to share my data directly to you without an intermediary, without anybody abusing the data. And I'm going to be able to choose first to whom I send it to, and second, if I want to get paid for this data. There are many books written that say that in future, we're going to have this universal basic income. And, and many people will be able to generate income as a result of selling their own data. I'll give you an example. Medical trials, you know. You sign up for a medical trial, you keep your data, your medical records, and you share it with the pharmaceutical companies, and they pay you for that data, as opposed to other people uh, generating the benefit. But coming back to, um, to accounting, do you realize what I just said about this real-time ledger that is immutable, that is complete in terms of the order trial? No, I'm not saying it's complete. You still have have to do tests for completeness. But what I'm saying is that whatever you record in the ledger cannot be deleted. So if you make a mistake, you have to do an equal and opposite transaction. So the order trail will show all the changes. But imagine that this is real time. I forgot to tell you two more things. I know it's a long-winded uh, reply, but it's important. And that is one is this mathematical formula called cryptography. And this formula prevents all the people from cheating because we know we could have all the actors colluding. So how do we prevent them from colluding and cheating? We have a mathematical formula that if they cheat, they get penalized. And then the final thing I want to say is that in 2014, Ethereum, the platform, came to the world and improved Bitcoin because it introduced the concept of smart contracts. Smart contracts changes. Everything. It's a game changer. You mentioned Bitcoin, and I'm sure it's a term that a lot of people have become very familiar in the last years. Now, blockchain is not Bitcoin, but the technology behind Bitcoin. So why is it important for people to start their education on the disruptive potential of blockchain and its use cases, for example, in decentralized finance, in identity, in supply chain, etc., mm. rather than debating whether Bitcoin will be the currency of the future? 
because that's what I hear many people talking about. Okay, so Umar, that's where the confusion comes. You know, I've been presenting to CEOs for the last four years. And because they had this like preconceived idea that blockchain is Bitcoin and therefore Bitcoin is used for nefarious activities, they don't want to hear. Imagine not wanting to learn about blockchain. It's like me coming to you 25 years ago and saying, here's the internet, I'm going to teach you to send an email. You know, I'm old enough to remember when that happened. You know how many accountants said, I will never send an email? I promise you. They said, I will never touch a computer, I will never send an email. I'm sorry, but that's true. It's what happened. And then as the world evolved, these accountants were forced to learn how to use a computer. And then all these tools were developed, you know, from Excel to many accounting tools that slowly but surely the accountants had to learn. But at the beginning, they didn't want to. And this is what we're facing today. So what I'm seeing is the baby boomers, you know, the ones that are, I would say, about 50 years old, okay? They are not used to this uh, technology. And they're horrified because it's going to mean that they're going to have to start learning again. Like you said correctly when you introduced me, when I realized that this was going to happen, it's because I read the, the white paper, I had to start again. And nothing that made me successful in the past is making me successful now. I feel so many times very inadequate because even though I work for the best, incredible, most advanced company in the world in terms of blockchain, which is consensus, the team is like inventing so many incredible new technologies. And I'm an accountant. And therefore, even though chartered accountants always have been seen as, you know, the best qualified people for running businesses, I can, I promise you, Omar, I feel inadequate all of the time because the team talks techy stuff, which is not anymore journal entries and bookkeeping and accounting and finance as we know it. It's all about the smart contracts, which is a technology platform. You need to understand technology. And therefore, I really think that in future, the CEOs will be technology people, not chartered accountants anymore. And yeah. that unless we learn how to program, or if we don't learn how to program, at least learn how to read the program. It's the main issue here, that we now need to work together, the technology you know, partners with the training that we have in finance and accounting, work together and both have to learn from each other. Because I promise you that it's going to have to require that the chartered accountants will have to learn to at least read a smart contract because that contract will have to reflect the intention of the parties. So you mentioned Ethereum before. In 2009, we had Bitcoin. And then in 2014, the other use case of blockchain emerged being Ethereum, which is a platform to run decentralized applications. Now, these smart contracts, they allow the performance of transactions without third parties or intermediaries. Could you briefly explain what is a smart contract and provide an example of how it removes the middleman in finance? So smart contracts really are changing the world. A smart contract is like a vending machine. Okay, Let's assume you've got a vending machine and let's assume you want to buy a chocolate. Okay, And then you can see that if you want the chocolate, you have to press B1 and you have to put $2 in the machine. 
So you, you put the $2 and then you press P1 and then it gives you the chocolate. You don't argue with the machine. No, it says, if you give me the money and you press P1, I'll give you the, the chocolate. That's a smart contract. If this happens, therefore that happens. I'll give you an example. Insurance. Insurance is going to change completely. Watch the space. Why? What is insurance? If I sign an insurance policy or a life insurance policy, the policy simply says, if I die, these are my beneficiaries. Please explain to me, Omar, why is it that my beneficiaries on my death, they have to phone the broker, discuss it with the insurance company, argue, wait, wait, or what? Okay, the smart contract is going to say, the moment you die, the, the insurance company will get the notification from, let's say, home affairs that you're officially dead, and then automatically it will say, if you die, these are the beneficiaries, Two seconds later, no phone calls, no arguing, no paperwork. The contract will pay into the bank account of the beneficiaries. That's it. Can you see the massive changes? I'll give you an example. Recently in South Africa, at least, there was an insurance broker. You know how it works? Don't go directly to insurance companies. They work through a broker. So you pay your premiums to the broker, then the broker it keeps the money for a while, and the company didn't pay the money to the insurance companies and ran away with the money. Can you see why you don't need an intermediary? Well, how would you need an intermediary if you've got a smart contract? Why would you have to phone and wait and argue? And that's how everything changes. And I can give you exactly in every industry, every industry, give me industries like this, and I love showing you how the industry will change. And it's based on the fact that you don't need that whole chain. Um, and then finally, I have to explain in financial markets, remember I created the central securities deposits. This is the decentralized technology. And we say the central securities depositors in the world act as middlemen between the brokers, the custodian banks, the stock exchange, the central bank, and the buyer and the seller, and the issuer. In future, like if you know, when you trade crypto, what do you do? You have an app, you press a button, you buy and sell, you transfer, you do whatever you want, real time, real time. Stock markets don't work like that. Minimum, you have to wait two days. Why? Because there are many swift messages that are interchanged between all the parties to confirm the transaction. And when everything is confirmed, the shares and the cash, the central securities depository, that's what is called delivery versus payment. All of that is not needed. You don't need a central securities depository. You don't need a broker. You don't need a custodian bank if you don't want to because you have your own wallet. You can do self-custody if you want to. That's the future. We call it going bankless. Bankless? Ha! Imagine that now you will have the choice not to go to a bank ever. I'm not talking to a bank branch. A bank, an electronic banker. You won't need one. You will have the wallet. If you download today what we call MetaMask, MetaMask is an electronic wallet for free, already you can start playing with it, buying crypto, going into the decentralized finance world. And you can do it on a Sunday morning at 3 o'clock in the morning because it has no working hours. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about, the changes that are happening? I'm sure you shocked uh, a lot of people there by saying the future will be bankless. <laughs> yeah, I promise you. I, I love that concept but because that's what we're building at consensus. So that's why banks realize this. 
they are slowly changing. And one thing they're doing, which is fascinating, especially credit card companies, are not giving out any secrets. Because who thinks a credit card company that charge 3% on the transaction? Are you kidding? For what? Imagine that now you've got your own wallet and you can pay using any cryptocurrency. So the power is going back to the people. So the most important thing we have to do, knowing that this technology is here, is to educate the people to learn how to use it. So now that we've given our listeners an overview of what blockchain is, what smart contracts is, and how this is going to change our lives, I'd like to touch on what blockchain will do for accounting. So now all accountants will be familiar with the double entry accounting system, which has been present for hundreds of years. But as everyone listening knows, and as you've rightly mentioned before, it has limitations. It's prone to human errors. There's risk of collusion from management to misrepresent the financial statements, meaning it's not a foolproof method. But the inherent features of blockchain, that is having an immutable ledger, which is transparent for everyone to have access to, which is real time, has led to the emergence of a new accounting framework called triple entry accounting. Could you please go through why triple entry accounting is disruptive for the accountancy profession and explain what will be the challenges to implement such a framework? To explain triple entry accounting is really this concept of the shared version of the truth. What does it mean? When you have a transaction, you have the buyer and the seller. The buyer does the journal entry, bought a computer, debit computers, credit cash. The seller goes and, and does the journal entry in their books, separate, you know, they don't care what each other is doing. And it does debit cash, credit computers. Multiply that. They all have to do bank reconciliations. They all have to submit tax returns. As you know, you have the accounts receivable department, the accounts payable, the bank reconciliation division. You need to have segregation of duties. You have to have all these human beings in a back office, in account, in finance, to keep track of all the uh, books and records. So imagine that in future, first of all, you won't have any mainframes, you won't have SAP. Uh, you won't have uh, Swift messages and, or even Excel spreadsheets because you're not going to use the internet, the internet. And therefore, in the internet, what you're going to do is you're going to um, agree. Let's assume that I, I'll give you real life examples. Um, we have a company called Covantes. So Covantes, what they do is that they sell around the world real products like maize and soya and, you know, um, all these um, uh, products that are even traded on the derivatives market. But these products get produced in Latin America and shipped to China. So imagine how complicated it is in, in the real world, the, the whole supply chain where you have to track, you know, the, the product, how it gets planted, it gets harvested, it gets taken out into a truck and then delivered to the port. And then from the port, it goes into the ship and the ship goes into various ports. And then eventually it arrives in China. Imagine that every single person has to do their own books. Everybody has to reconcile that they receive that when the, the harvest took place, you have to do the measuring of the harvest. What you put into the truck has to comply with whatever regulations. And then it has to make sure that when you got to the port, that you got the same the same products 
So just imagine that in future, every single person in the transaction is not keeping their own little silos, you know, that needs to be reconciled. Everybody is getting the same general ledger in the internet. So you get an app, and as the goods get, let's say, harvested, you get the information. All the parties, eh? even the buyer in China, will get immediately notified, ah, the soya has been harvested. Ah, now I can see it's been put into the track. The track arrives at the port. The moment it arrives at the port, it gets paid. We don't have to wait until the goods arrive in China to, for everybody to get paid. The smart contract will say, as the goods are taken out of the pharma, you pay them. And as you know, I'm sure you know that in, in Africa especially, there's quite a lot of abuse of the pharma because the pharma gets paid very little. By the time the goods arrive in China, because of all the intermediaries, someone in the chain will get paid more than anybody else, you know? And that's the other problem. Now imagine the farmer will see exactly how much the, the, the buyer is going to get because it's the same state of books. And as the events take place, the records get made. And that's why it's called triple entry because it's not anymore debits and credits independent from each other. Everybody gets to see the same books and records. Yeah. And therefore, imagine the four-eye principle, the principle, the order trail. The, the, the other thing is that we need to be cognizant that the fact we have this fourth industrial revolution technology. Just add this beautiful new ledger, just add robotics, add artificial intelligence, and internet of things. So that's why auditing will be done real time. Accounting will be done without all these intermediaries, all these bank reconciliations, Excel spreadsheets, all of that. So that's why I recommend, very important, that accountants need to now realize that they need to work with the technology to make their jobs better and to work with it. Speaking about auditing, this is the perfect segue onto my next question. So as a former auditor myself, how do you see the profession evolving? Because if blockchain, as you rightly mentioned, is by nature programmed to have trust built into it, and the need for trust is the reason why audits are required in the first place, will we still require an audit? And what will happen to auditors? I feel some, some of my ex-colleagues may feel threatened by this new technology. Should they? Should. Can I tell you why? Because they shouldn't have to be threatened, but I'll tell you why they should be threatening today. Because, as you correctly put out, I sit on the board of the Institute of Chartered Accountants, and through my Accounting Blockchain Coalition, which is a body made up of CPAs in America, got together and said, we better write some guidance because nobody else is. And we decided that we needed to start educating the International Federation of Accountants, HIFAC, to say, guys, you're writing the standards for the profession, accounting, auditing, tax, educational standards. What are you doing about digital assets? And they're doing nothing. And it's taking time for them to come to the point where they realize that this is a technology that will change our education the way we behave, the way that we've been trained in, in at university. You know, I've got some students that found me that finished, become CAs, and they said, I feel that my CAs are really obsolete. And I said, yeah, it is. And that's why you need to start again. And that's why, if you ask me, 
even though I'm a trained chartered accountant for many years now, the day I reached Satoshi, I started studying all over again. And the good news is that all this information is in the internet. So you don't need a university degree. You don't need, you just need the discipline and to know how to learn, to look for all the guidance that now is being produced. I just hope that the Financial Accounting Standards Board in the US and IFAC International will wake up to the guidance because I don't know if you're aware that there's a, a body in Europe that recently released a paper saying to FASPI, your comments on how to deal with digital assets is totally wrong. FASPI says that uh, cryptocurrencies are intangibles. If you apply your mind, you will see it's impossible. They're not intangibles. They're financial instruments. But imagine treating Bitcoin as an intangible. It's nonsense because as we know in accounting, intangibles, you are not allowed to revalue up. You're yep. just allowed to revalue down. So imagine if Bitcoin goes down in value, you, you, you write it up. If it goes up, oh, you're not allowed to recognize this. That is rubbish. So, so if you bought Bitcoin is, at $1,000, uh, for example, yeah. a few years ago, and today it's at 32000 at the moment, you'd exactly. still be recording it at $1,000. Yeah, that's correct. And you know what auditors are doing today because they don't know how to deal with it? They're telling companies, like um, companies that are totally invested in digital um, currencies, in, in crypto, they're saying, at the year end, you need to sell your crypto. Convert it into cash. Wow. So I don't have to have an opinion on a crypto asset that I don't understand. So already the financial director of that company is saying, why do I need an auditor if it's actually you know, impacting my business decisions? Accounting shouldn't tell anybody how to run their own business. You know, And therefore, this is what accountants are doing because they don't know how to deal with it. Correct. So can you see how the, the trust is becoming even less? I think there's a need for auditors and also accountants to become more tech savvy and understand at least, like you said, the basics of coding. There's a popular saying that goes by the pen is mightier than the sword. But I, I heard somewhere that pretty soon the keyboard might become mightier than the oh, pen. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That is so true. So uh, at Consensus, you're working for the largest blockchain company in the world. Could you please tell us how Consensus are helping companies implement blockchain and maybe give us a practical example of what is being done for the accounting industry? Because I know you work with all industries out there. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, we sit with the client and we hear the pain points. And through that process, we are able to say, okay, this is the new world order. This is how we can implement this. The most beautiful thing for me, Uma, is after running a technology company for 20 years, that every time we did any changes to the technology will take three years, at least three years to change anything. You know that this technology, if I meet with you and you tell me whatever industry you're in, I can show you what we got. The technology has been built already. So it's Ethereum, the platform. So what we do is we build apps. It's like the Apple ecosystem. You just need an app and then you can use Apple ecosystem. The same. With Ethereum, you build apps. So in less than three months, I could give you the solution that you need. And I'm going to train you. And I'm going to show you on this internet. And that's why consensus works remotely because 
we don't need to be sitting next to you in a boardroom showing you what we're doing and holding your hand. We hold your hand via the internet. So it, it's a paradigm shift. That's why the changes are exponential, because the implementation of the technology is very fast. And because it's very easy to understand, because you'll see, the other thing I want to tell everybody, that, that once you start using the technology, this technology is easier to understand when you use it. So that's why I always say, download any app, cryptocurrency exchange, any, whatever makes you happy, and buy and sell and transfer and play with these cryptocurrencies. Because in the same way, you'll learn how to trade a cryptocurrency, you'll learn how to, in future, trade any token. And this is the technology we're building. It's going to be so easy to understand that, because remember, we're trying to empower the world and, and we want to bring financial inclusion. We want to bring absolutely everybody that has been left out. They just need to have access to the internet. And therefore, it's going to be the way to democratize in the world. In, and I really believe that in, everybody will have a chance to have their own assets under their control, that they'll share when they want the information, but also to create wealth for themselves. So that's why when people talk about that uh, technology will replace many jobs, yes, but it will create many others, many, many others. You know, there's a book uh, by Hurari, Yuval Hurari. Sapiens. He talks about, yes, yeah, Sapiens. Uh, he, he concludes that there's going to be the divide between the ones that get it and the ones that don't get it. What is to get it? Data. Data, technology, the ones that can manage the technology and the ones that can't. And that is 100% what I'm seeing in the real world. Beautiful. One of the other reasons I really wanted to have you today is for your story, which I find very inspiring, especially for executives. So like uh, I said in, uh, in the beginning, after being the CEO of Straight for 20 years, you had the courage to start from zero again, from your conviction and vision that blockchain will change the world. Now, why is having a curious mind so important in order to reinvent yourself? And could you also please share the story of how you became a professor at the University of Johannesburg? Okay, that's very cute. That story is very cute. Okay, so first of all, I have this saying that says, what made you successful in the past won't make you successful in the future. So I have to give up my ego. Just remember, Omar, 20 years of being the CEO of very special companies, very successful. I was paid a lot of money. I was treated like a queen. But when I saw Satoshi's paper, I thought, what? Am I going to be rearranging the chairs in the Titanic? So I'm in the Titanic. The Titanic will say, do I stay or do I get out? And do I swim in the cold water? Of course, because the Titanic is sinking, no? And that's what I did. I jumped into the cold water. And it was a shock because working for consensus, we all equal. <laughs> There's no CEO. I don't have a PA. I don't have anybody that really helps me. I had to learn everything. Okay, and then I give you an example. In consensus, you send an email, but if you're not convincing, nobody replies. When you're the CEO, everybody replies, everybody. And it's been the best thing I've ever done. You know why? Because there's another saying that says, if you are the most intelligent person in the room, you are in the wrong room. And at straight, I was in the wrong room because I was getting bored, you know, driving something I created. 
And I, I thought, I, I really think I was the most intelligent person in the room, and therefore I had to leave. And now I truly am not the most intelligent person in the room. <laughs> and, and very quickly, the story of how I became a professor. So I'm not a PhD or anything. I'm just the chart of the cancer. So I, I spoke to this very important university in South Africa, the University of Johannesburg, and I said to the head of the accounting faculty, I said, please give me time from all your professors, all of them. I want them in a room, and I want to come and tell them about this new world order that is coming. So I gave a lecture, my initial lecture, and I shocked them because they realized that whatever they are educating the students is becoming obsolete. So they asked me if I would lecture for them a pro bono, and in return, they would give me the title of professor of practice for a period of time. You've been fighting for women's rights. In blockchain, there is currently an underrepresentation of women, but mm. leaders like yourself are fighting to have more women involved in a mm. technology career. Why are you advocating for more women to pursue a tech career? And do you see any barriers at the moment? Of course, there are lots of barriers because it, I don't know what it is that um, this technology really arose as a result of gaming. And I think that in general, uh, boys are the ones that play games, you know, games in the computer games. You know, we girls are too busy, you know, running around either having babies or, you know, looking after families or, or whatever. We don't have time to sit and play games. So as a result, girls do not get attracted to STEM, you know, social, um, technology, um, I don't remember what it means, but STEM right. really means technology um, studies. So because of that, um, uh, there are very few role models. Girls tend to study things that are not, um, you know, technology, but that's changing. And it's changing because, first of all, we need to encourage them, and second, because we need more role models. And third, because the truth be told, this technology is brilliant for girls. Why? First, look at me. I work remotely. As women, we like flexible hours. Why? Because if we need to take our child to the dentist, we don't. We shouldn't have to be stuck in the office. I should be able to take my child to the dentist and then be able to work any time of the night. Flexibility is what we need. And therefore, remote working, it's amazing. And because this technology just needs the internet, then it's ideal. I've been working remotely from day one, not because of COVID. COVID created remote, created remote working for the majority, but consensus has been remote working from day one. And therefore, I really believe that this is the technology that will empower women. No matter where you live, you could live in a shack in the middle of the desert, and if you have access to the internet, you can work for consensus. Incredible. That's amazing. In the past, you had to travel to San Francisco and work for Silicon Valley. That's finished. People from all over the world will be able to live where they want to and still work in this industry. And COVID uh, made everyone realize that remote work is a reality and everyone can do it remotely. Exactly. So as a former accountant and auditor, helping accountants reinvent themselves is something dear to my heart. With the increased demand and the talent gap for blockchain skills, what advice would you have for someone who wants to make a career switch to blockchain? Where should they start? But also, I know there's a lot of people who are interested to get into blockchain, but do not necessarily want to become coders. What advice do you have for them? 
there are many jobs that don't require coding. You know, look at me. Trust me, I don't know how to code. I cannot recode. <laughs> I wish I did, you know, actually, because I think I'll, I won't feel so stupid so, so many times. But there's many jobs, you know. And the, as I said, in order to go down this rabbit hole, this new world order, all the information is available. You know, even, Umar, if you want, I'm very happy to share with you what I created. Is I created a, a schedule of all the podcasts, all the websites, all the educational sites. There are many courses now that are starting to come. I'm now being appointed to the European Technical School of Blockchain to give lectures online. So all of these institutes are creating now their own online courses. So I'm very happy to share with you and your readers this resource list and reading. And I get every day, at least I have subscribed to every newsletter that I can find. So at least every day I get 10 newsletters a day. I listen to podcasts at least one or two a day. You need to be disciplined and you need to start reading. Start by reading, of course, the white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto on Bitcoin. But then the other thing I have to recommend, very important, because the, um, the information now is imploding, I would recommend you choose an industry. You choose the industry where you want to be in and then read all about that industry because it's becoming quite complex to be multitasking on so many industries because this is going to affect every industry. So you mentioned that you recently have joined the European Tech School as an instructor. The European Tech School is the brainchild of Victoria Gago and Daniel Salmeron, yes. who are also the founders yes. of the European Blockchain Convention. So maybe you could give our listeners an overview of the program, what they can achieve with it, and when does it start, the program? So it starts on the 15th of September, and what I like a lot is that the, the difference between their course and a Coursera course, for example, is that you are going to not only interact real time with the professors, but you're going to interact with each other. So it's going to be very practical, and it has to be practical. And I give you an example from that because if you have a look at the consensus website, there is a big list of people that we are trying to employ. When I submit a CV to the HR of someone that I know and I recommend, the first thing they ask me is, can they prove that they have done something in practice? Not just attended a course. Have they proven that they have done something in practice? So it's very important to do a course that they are allowing you to do a practical example. So one of the professors comes from Bosch. And he is a, a real engineer, and he's going to teach the students to do smart contracts. And I'm going to teach you how to understand money, and how to invest money, and how to understand finance, and how to not co get confused with cryptocurrencies and stable coins, for example, and how to record in the triple entry bookkeeping, etc., etc. So the professors have to teach practically, not theoretical, because truly this technology is like. When the internet was created, how did you learn? By going into the internet, by sending emails. You didn't read a book about the internet. Who cares that it's TCP IP? So this is the same. It has to be a practical course that at the end of the course, you have proven that you can put together either a smart contract or you know a business analysis or a project plan or whatever. But the employer will want to see that you know how to do things. 
So all the instructors actually are using blockchain to come up with practical solutions in their respective industries. So I think it's a great opportunity for students to work with uh, with you guys. What are some of the barriers, in your opinion, that today enterprises are facing for cryptocurrencies to become mainstream? And what do you think are some of the solutions? Okay. So the most important one, why people are waiting and scared, is because there's no clear regulation. So nobody wants to go and invest in an asset class that tomorrow might become illegal. You know, we don't know. So regulation clarity is very important. Very important. How is it going to be taxed? There's massive conflict in different countries. Some, some uh, countries are treating cryptocurrencies as property, and therefore you only pay capital gains tax. Other countries are saying, no, this is just like stock. Um, and therefore, until taxes, regulation, the law is clarified, I don't think you're going to see the adoption uh, of institutional investments. A lot of people don't like that. You know, people like steadiness. You know, accountants, don't give me something like crazy stuff, but one day $60,000, two months later it's thirty. you know, or it can go to zero. Can you see there's a lot of fear and uncertainty that is being created? And therefore, institutions don't want to come in. The world belongs to those that are the most adventurous, you know. And I always say, look, you're not going to invest your... Your, your pension fund, but at least in a portfolio, as we know, you need to have a mixture of different risks. So at least 5% of your portfolio has to be in crypto, at least. So the, the barriers for cryptocurrencies to become mainstream and rightfully so regulation yeah. is one of them. Yeah. For the accountants listening, accounting standards is also a, a barrier accounting. today. Like you said, we're accounting yeah. them under intangible assets and this will not be representative of the assets in your financial statements. So we're already nearing the end of our first episode. And my last question for you is this, is there a quote or a maxim that you live by? Many, many, but uh, there are two, uh, you know, which is if you can dream it, you can do it. And it's true. Everything I ever dreamed, I have achieved. And the other one is you, you you only fail when you stop trying to succeed. So people give up too quickly. You know, implementing straight the central security deposit was very hard. You know, I moved the whole complete industry from paper-based to digital. You know, people lost their jobs. They had to be re-educated. The market was very unhappy. What saved me was that I didn't give up because, trust me, they wanted to fire me. The, in the newspapers, they would tell the world that I was running this to the ground and that because some people hated change. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I didn't take it personal, you know, and I didn't give up. I said, even if it kills me, I'm going to do this project. But the point is that I didn't give up. <laughs> Beautiful. I like both of them. So if you can dream it, you can do it. And you only fail when you give up too quickly. Monica, we've reached the end of the podcast, but before going, is there a last word you have for accountants, maybe to summarize everything, how they can prepare for a blockchain future? Yeah. So the most important thing I want to say is that this is an amazing profession. Amazing. Because it teaches you to think. And that's all we need. You know, we need to know how to think and to study. And that, because this profession is so hard to get to the end, to become a chartered accountant, it's very hard. And I'm saying, if you're able to achieve that goal, 
then you can achieve anything. And therefore, when I became a chartered accountant, that's what I realized. I had the self-confidence to know that I could do anything I want. And therefore, once you have this degree, it's the best basis for you to take it to the next level. But then the next level, take it upon yourself to achieve it. Don't wait for your university or someone else to give you the tools and apply that same discipline. So it's called the lifelong learning. If you stop learning any day, you go backwards because the world moves forward. So never stop learning, ever, ever, ever. Use that technique that you learn at university to now begin to educate yourself in the things you really, really want to know. Monica, thank you so much. Your passion for blockchain is infectious and I hope you manage to rub it off our listeners today. Your story shows that you're a symbol of tenacity and you embody the concept of lifelong learning. So I'm sure you will inspire many others, many executives, and I hope many accountants. Before we depart, could you please share where can people find you? I know you're very active on social media. I am, eh? I love it. <laughs> okay, so... You can find me in LinkedIn, of course. That's my best because I, there I can publish papers. You know, I love researching. So that's where the best papers that are coming up are really in LinkedIn. Please follow me in LinkedIn. I've published everything I find. And then, of course, um, you can uh, email me uh, at Consensus. It's my name, monica.singer at consensus.net. And please visit the Consensus website. We publish so many papers, you know, like... If there's one thing we do right, is the, the thought leadership, the, the need to tell the world, um, you know, in every industry, how we're changing the world. Thank you so much. I will put all the links in the show notes on the website at theaccountantquits.com. Monica, thank you so much. I look forward to keep learning for you and you've been a great guest for the first episode. Thank you. And then you'll send me the link so I can share it with everybody. Of course, I will. Okay. Excellent. It was great meeting you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. And you take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode. You'll find all the links of the episode, show notes, and transcripts on the website of The Accountant Quits at theaccountantquits.com. Please note that this content is for general information purposes only and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. If you do know anyone who could benefit from this episode and you care about them, please do share the episode with them. All the episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And by leaving us a review and rating, you will support the channel and all your fellow accountants. In order to be notified each time we release a new episode, please do follow us on Instagram and on LinkedIn. We hope to have you with us next time. Bye for now.